Hey, hey, everybody, episode number 22. Okay, we just threw no number 21 down, and it was actually one of them deals. I've been up doing stuff all evening. I actually took a little nap earlier when I got back from South Dakota and doing the school shopping thing. Uh, took a little nap. I was kind of in deep thought. As I told you in the last episode, I had some blasts into the past with some music that I heard on the way home on my drive, and and I was just feeling it, and I, I was sitting there. I, I actually brought my phone in and had my earbuds in and was just continuing the music. <laughs> Put the boy to bed, and, and I ended up dozing off. So I'm kind of awake right now. Still a little tired, but kind of awake. So I figured, you know what? I'll do a double down on this one because uh, I've been kind of kind of uh, busy and haven't been putting out the episodes that I had that I was there for a while, but. But anyways, let's just jump right back into the story here. Um, I'm up on the respiratory floor. I'm back in Penrose, Maine. I'm working with this collapsed lung. And uh, some staff that I had seen in the past, some new staff, the candy striper uh, girls that would come in and, and take care of me. I just, it's such a great place. I love, I love that hospital. Honestly, if if I could go back and just hang out there, it would it would be something that I would do because the place is just full of great people. Everybody there is so friendly, and the and the and the doctors are great, and the resources in that building are just great. But uh, I'm laying in this room, and it's something that uh something that happens. It's kind of a painful experience, but it was absolutely nobody's fault. Um, the uh, the girls come in there I'd actually so I'm still at this stage the biggest slap in my face <laughs> the dignity killer is the fact that I'm not using a bathroom I'm still so paralyzed that I'm not using uh, a commode or anything in the room or anything uh, bed pans are just not working yet because I just don't have the control so I'm still losing my bowels and I'm still urinating at the wrongest times and I've got a catheter on and and uh it's uh yeah um I'm not gonna kid anybody so when you're in that situation and you're like me so to lay this out on <laughs> to lay this out in in my perspective was I had my my girlfriend somebody that I was really serious with when I ended up in the hospital and throughout this time period of about seven seven and a half months that came to an end uh, because she stepped out of that and stepped away from the relationship and and, and I, I get it nothing I was holding against her um, but I, I was uh, emotionally struck by the whole situation so throughout this whole time laying there in that bed and just kind of thinking about all my thoughts and my feelings and thinking about all the different relationships and the different times I fell in love and uh, all that stuff like those were thoughts that continuously went through my mind and one thought that had went through my mind a lot was I am never getting into another relationship again girls are evil I'm just not doing it Okay, and that's kind of where I was. I was I was totally against uh, against women. <laughs> I was done with it. It was like, all right, I've been cheated on. I've been and cheated on and cheated on and cheated on. 
um, I've been through a lot with different relationships and I was just at a point there where this one had finally just burned the bridge down. I, I had other relationships that that were were painfully ended due to that same kind of stuff and it and yeah they they knocked a pillar or something out of the bridge but this one was just the one that just finally it was like that stick of dynamite that eastwood uh puts on the train bridge and then he fires at it with his rifle and takes out the whole bridge causes a heck of a train wreck that was the bridge <laughs> so and it uh and it and it and it hurt i was hurt i'm, I'm not gonna kid anybody i was hurt but when you're laying in a hospital and you've got really pretty nurses coming in and you've got people, I, I could people watch, even to this day, I could people watch. I don't know what it is. It, uh, it sounds creepy, but people are entertaining. Okay. But in this situation, um, one of the girls that came in there quite a bit, one of the, I think she was a CNA, but she came in there quite a bit. And she was just the girl was beautiful. I'm not gonna kid you. And the uh, the girl that I was I was talking to, or talking about earlier in the other episode, that took me up to that floor. The 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 angel that was just like the peacemaker for my environment. You know, she was a beautiful girl too. So I mean, there was always still this. Hey, I'm surrounded by beautiful girls and beautiful people in general, but. To be around uh, people in that situation. Okay, I'm in my early 30s. I'm suddenly a single guy again. Okay, I'm not in the right situation to just jump up and be like, Hey, let's go do dinner and a movie. In this situation, it would have been, Let's uh, put me on a gurney and take me to the nearest restaurant and you can accompany me. But here's where the slap in the face comes into this whole situation. Let's uh, put me on a gurney, take me to a restaurant. You can sit there and uh, you can feed me. <laughs> and and, uh, and and worse yet, you can wipe my butt when something goes wrong down there. So um, it is it is a it's a dignity killer. OK, not going to kid you. You're like, oh, my God, this girl's so cute. And then all of a sudden you're hitting your call light and she comes in and she's the one that's got to clean you up. But no, it's something you also get used to. I'm going to tell you that. It's something that just finally you, you learn to accept it. It's one of them things that you finally accept and it takes a lot of time. You finally accept the fact this is stuff you can't do on your own. It's uh, it's something that you've got to grab a, grab a hold of and, and have a personal understanding with it. You cannot do it. These people are here to help you. That's why they're trained the way they are. They they deal with this every day, multiple times a day. And it, it's something that you you like I said you have to uh, you have to grab an acceptance with it. Um, once you do that, it actually makes a stay in a hospital like that a lot easier. Once you grab a hold of the acceptance that hey I'm in this situation. And these people are here to help me. They're not here to judge me. They're not. They're not doing any of that. They are strictly here to help me, and and I need the help. Once you understand that, when you're in a situation like this, that gets a lot easier with that understanding. That is a little piece of advice that I can throw to everybody. 
if you ever end up in that situation, you have to accept you are in a hospital. You are under the care of people that are trained to take care of you. And uh, once you accept that, it makes your life in there a lot easier and it makes their job a lot easier. Um, you do have the people that take advantage of that, though. You got the people that, that while they're in there, they, they give up on themselves and they expect those people to do everything for them, including try to be their strength for them. And it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. You still have your part to do. You have to meet them in the middle to make some kind of a successful stay out of this deal. But, uh, but no, I'm in there and one of the girls, one of the days, this is a very painful, one of the most painful experiences I ever had while having a chest tube in. Uh, the girls come in, I'd hit the call light because I'd had a bowel movement and I needed cleaned up. And, uh, they come in there and they were kind of, kind of talking. And, and I think the one girl was actually, um, uh, in training. So they were kind of helping her kind of get, get the uh, gist of what actually needed to be done and stuff. And, and I'm laying there and I, uh, I hadn't been feeling too good. Um, I think I had a little bug or something that I kind of was dealing with there, a stomach bug. And uh, I wasn't talking a whole lot. And at this point in time, I hadn't been talking a whole lot anyways. So talking was wearing me out, as I'd said before. One sentence uh, would wear me out. I mean, and I remember the very first time I said something when they would set the phone on my chest and they would call somebody for me and put it on speakerphone and set it on my chest so I could talk to people and I'm going to tell you right now <laughs> just to step back on that just for a second when all your friends you know that your friends are out there rooting for you and they're watching Facebook and the social media and stuff and they're keeping tabs on how you're doing and they're, when you're finally able to your nurse dials the phone number and you call them and they answer the phone. And usually it's your dad or your mom or a family member that calls them to give them an update. When you call them and it rings and they answer the phone and they say, hello. And you say, Hey, Jake, <laughs> that was the one that actually sticks out in my mind. Pretty heavy. Uh, Jake and my friend Macy. So my buddy, Jake, really good buddy of mine. Um, and my friend Macy, those were two people that, that got calls. Uh, my friends, Jen and Nikki, uh, the first time they heard me say something, I could hear the shock on the, coming through the phone line. It was, it was just, uh, it was something else. It, it was, it was an amazing thing, but at this facility coming in there, like I said, I, I'm talking a little bit, but I'm still learning how to talk at this time I'm exercising my vocals so I'm not real vocal yet I'm talking a little bit but I'm not I'm not talking like I am right now so they come in there and they, they're gonna clean me up and uh, the first thing they do is they go to roll me up so they could change my bedding all at the same time these 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 girls are like geniuses when it comes to to uh, 
taking care of this stuff because they can roll you around a couple times and holy smokes you got a new uh, adult diaper thingy on and you've got all new bedding uh, you're cleaned up you're in a new gown um, the whole nine yards everything is just suddenly perfect <laughs> and it's and it all happened by rolling you over a couple times but this particular time they come in there and they try to roll me over and we all weren't thinking even myself we were not thinking about the chest tube sticking out of my left rib cage and they rolled me up onto that and holy smokes i suddenly learned how to yell <laughs> so it was one of those things they rolled me up on that thing and i was like holy crap and they and she was like oh my god i forgot about the tube and we uh we got me laid back down but holy smokes that was one of the weirdest feelings i because i could actually feel that tube shift in there and uh something that uh something that with the tube in there something that always uh in a way was kind of gross but also fascinated me was watching so the tube comes out of your chest and it goes into like basically a, a discharge container that is set like this one was set right off the side of my bed and i could see it so when they would roll me up on my side and i could look over the edge of the bed a little bit i could see this container and it was just in the, and i could see the tube going into it and stuff in this like pinkish uh fluid just circulating out of the tube and going into this container it's crazy it's it's weird the human body is just crazy and weird but it's it's at the same time it's super fascinating and uh so yeah that was a, a very painful experience but uh <laughs> i survived it but they uh we uh we continued on and every morning the every morning routine was they would come in there and they'd wheel me down to x-ray and we'd take another look at the lung and they'd kind of give me the updates and, and let me know where i was at with that and and uh it was a pretty basic visit there it was just kind of a break from rehab really it was uh i wasn't getting a whole lot of rehab at the rehab hospital because the facility was so big that a couple hours a day was about all i would get but um this was kind of a break because that little bit of rehab that i was getting was was rehab that was very uh very uh strenuous it took a lot out of me they'd take me down there and i'd, I'd die the rest of the day i'd be sleeping all day but uh it just took so much out of me it wore me out but but here at penrose on this in the respiratory floor um, towards the end of the stay there, I was there for, I want to say I was there for about 10 days, 12 days, something like that. Um, yeah, somewhere in there, about 10 days jogging the old memory. But the last few days, physical therapy at Penrose would come up there and they would kind of help me out. And I remember the guy that would come in there. So the lady that was in there was the same lady that would come in and try to work with me a little bit when I was in Penrose the first time. And uh, just an awesome lady, heck of a therapist. And uh, this particular time she comes in there with this guy that's like six foot six and built like a solid brick. Yeah. And uh, he comes in there and I'm looking at this guy and I'm like, oh my God, I'm not gonna have any trouble doing the uh, sit on the edge of the bed thing 
with this guy because I'm definitely not falling over. I think that was something that always kind of had me stressed out when they would, would come in there. And they would try to sit me up on the edge of the bed. Or sometimes they would actually get a gate belt around me. If you guys don't know what that is, it's just a belt for a supportive mechanism uh, that goes around your waist that they can kind of get a little leverage with and uh, keep control of you. And uh, it's called a gate belt. So they come in there and they put this gate belt on. Kind of a standard routine anyways. That way they kind of got a handle to work with, you know. And like I said, it helps them keep control of you. So standard routine every time they come in and they're moving you around they'd put one of these things on and uh they came in there and they and uh, when they would do this and they would set me up something that was always just freaky to me was when i went in there like i said before i'm over 180 pounds when i went into the hospital now i'm at 120 ish pounds I'm pretty small, but that's not what's in my mind. In my mind, I'm still 180 some pounds. So when you got a little gal that comes in there, one of your therapists, and she's like 105 pounds, and she's like grabbing a hold of your gait belt, and she's like, okay, I'm just going to support you, and we're going to go up to your feet and kind of do a stand-up thing for a second. You're sitting there thinking, you're going to do what? I'm 180 pounds in your head. You're 180 pounds. I'm 180 pounds and you're going to do what? Uh, I don't think so because you're going to drop my butt on the floor and this is going to hurt. I can see it coming right now. So it's something that always sat weird in the back of my mind. I was always like, oh my God, she is not big enough to pick me up like that. And then when I fall down on the floor, she's definitely not big enough to get me back in the bed. What are we going to do? But to this particular time, she comes in there with this guy that looks like he came out of the WWF. And I'm just like, oh my God, we're going to get something done now because this dude could pick me up one hand and curl me back in the bed. And uh, yeah, I'm going to be all right. <laughs> it was pretty cool though. We, we actually, we did get a little, a little progress there so one of the biggest challenges that we had every time they would come in there even before at the physical rehab facility everywhere i had been one of the biggest challenges we had was doing the stand-up okay and the reason we really wanted to work on that was so i could maybe start helping with my transfers a little bit when they would try to you know get me moved into either another bed or if they were transferring me out of that bed into a wheelchair or something um at that point in time i mean it was all on them really i couldn't do anything i had no strength and no movement that was of any value to helping them but they figured you know the best thing to do when you're trying to regain movement like that is is you got to stimulate it a little bit you gotta move things around. You gotta you gotta kind of re re uh, establish that function so the brain starts to remember. Oh yeah, this is what it does, you know. And then you start to regain that feeling. And I'm not gonna kid you. When you're bedridden for that long, you know, seven months in a bed. When you're bedridden that long, it is a crazy, crazy feeling when they sit you up and you're just sitting straight up yeah you got a nurse on each side of you or a physical therapist on each side of you kind of holding you there but sitting upright it made me nauseous as a matter of fact there was one of them points in times they sat me up on the edge of the bed like that 
And they kind of had me leaned over a little bit just to get used to the feeling and stuff. And it got to me so much that I threw up. And uh, it, it's it's just, it's crazy. It's crazy how this works. You get motion sickness and stuff from, from getting up into a wheelchair. My first wheelchair ride was just crazy. Um, I thought I was gonna, I thought I was gonna die. <laughs> it was like that. It was like the first time you rode the zipper at the carnival or something. It just, wow, your guts flipping over and everything you ate the last two days is, is making its uh, debut right back where it came from. So it's, uh, that's how it is when you're down that long and they start getting you up and moving you around like that. It's, uh, it's very, very mind boggling and uh sometimes nauseating but uh but yeah they come in there and and we we actually this guy he grabbed me by the gate belt and sh uh, the gal that was working with us um she was behind me and we all just at the same time she's one two three and we're gonna lift and they got me lifted and i could feel my feet touching the floor so even though I'm paralyzed, my sensory nerves are still working. So I feel my feet touching the floor. I'm not going to kid you. It hurt. My feet were so painful touching that floor. Just my feet touching a hard surface. Even though I had the hospital socks on. My feet touching that hard surface. Hurt like hell. It was, it was one of the worst pains. And, and it's a pain that's never went away. To this day, my feet are my biggest nightmare. Every day, all day long, my feet drive me up a wall. It, they hurt. But that's what it was here. And, and a lot of it was the sense, the sensory side of things. Um, it was just, it was a uh, hypersensitive uh, um, neuropathy, the, 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 the nerve damage itself being able to feel all that and stuff i mean it was something that that was definitely real to me and it was a real reminder that something major has happened to me um but i was i was also uh they were putting the boots on and stuff every night the poda potus boots to try to get my feet straightened up and and keep them uh, tendons uh the achilles tendons stretched out a little bit and it just wasn't working and a lot of it was was because of the pain that came with in my feet i don't know why it was my feet were the worst the worst and most painful things um they could touch them and it just it it hurt i can't describe how bad that hurt and uh and ultimately that's that's a lot of my problem to this day is uh the amount of pain that i had in my feet and that's and not being able to comply with some of the different techniques they were trying to do to keep my feet in a neutral position it was just so painful they would come in there and i'd be crying because it hurt so bad they'd take the boots off and uh and they were just trying to make me comfortable you know but ultimately i'm paying the price for it to this day with the foot drop and stuff and uh that's how it was but but no, we, we, we were doing a little bit of therapy and uh, and trying to move some stuff around. And they were starting to do a little stretching and stuff. Stretching is, is a huge thing. Um, I'm definitely going to get into a segment down the road here where stretching is actually one of the biggest things. But, uh, but the time has come and my lung is finally uh, 
aired back up enough. They think they're pretty confident with me going back to the hospital. The uh, lung, um, even after the surgery, didn't come back all the way. There was about a third of it that was still flattened out. And um, it was uh, still that way. So when my lung came back after having the chest tube in, uh, that lung came back, but it was still that that third of it was still flattened out. It just wasn't taken, and, and to this day, I, I still live with that. So um, it was it was something though. But we we accepted it, and the doctor was like, "All right, we're just gonna we're gonna go ahead and send you back to the uh, to the uh, rehab hospital and see what see what they can make out of you down there." So so they're in there and they're getting me all prepped up and stuff and. I remember this day pretty clearly. They uh, came in, the dietary lady came in, and she's like, hey, what do you want off the menu, you know? And I told her, I said, well, I, I think I'm going, getting transferred and back. And she said, well, I just looked at your stuff, and it sounds like they're going to keep you here long enough so you can eat and then go back. So what do you want to eat? Tell me what you want to eat, man. But uh, I'm looking at the menu, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. So Philly cheesesteak on a hospital menu sounds unreal <laughs> but it was there and i'm not gonna kid you so i was like all right philly cheesesteak and she's like what do you want for dessert and uh i'm looking through the the desserts she's holding it up in front of my face and and i'm reading them off and i'm like you guys really have new york style cheesecake at a hospital cheesecake me up bring me two slices so it was awesome. They were bringing me up Philly cheesesteak, but it was a little harsh on the gut because, like I said, I'm still learning how to eat. I'm still kind of readapting to this. I've been on tube feeding for, for months and months and months, and uh, my body's just not used to it at this time. So I, I, I am making mistake after mistake with the different things that I eat, just like the Tabasco sauce. I'm making these mistakes because I'm just, I'm so driven to get back to who I was and eat the things that I used to eat that, uh, I, I have not a care in the world what the consequences are when it comes to what I actually choose to eat. So they bring me a Philly cheesesteak. They bring me my cheesecake and, uh, some juice that I'm drinking through a straw and they still have to feed me. So it's, it's, uh, the, one of the nursing staff, they come in there and they'd sit there beside my bed and they'd feed me. So she's in there and she's tearing with a fork just little pieces off of my Philly cheesesteak sandwich. So I'm kind of like a bird, you know, only she's not spitting it into my mouth. She's feeding me with a fork. Um, she's peeling this, this sandwich part, mutilating it. And, uh, it, and it was too I remember it it was all over that tray it looked like somebody had put an M80 in it. <laughs> but it but it was so good it was so good but the peppers and the onions and stuff my stomach did not like that I got the cheesecake down everything's kind of sitting for a second they come in there and they're like well hey the ambulance is pulling up and they're kind of getting ready to get you transferred and stuff and are you ready to go and I'm like yeah but Man, I just suddenly don't feel good. Can you guys get me a Zofran? They get me a Zofran. We're trying that to see if maybe it eases my gut a little bit. And uh, they got me into some some transfer clothes. So they put me in some clothes that I had to transfer me back. They got me dressed, moved me around, dressed me so I could go trans transfer over to the other facility. 
and about the time the EMTs are coming into the room to, to get me and take me out there, I throw up more than I'd ever thrown up, even at, even at the biggest, most raging keggers I'd ever been to. I'd, I'd never thrown up this much. I threw up all over my clean clothes, and I just, man, I felt awful. I felt so bad that these people, they just worked their butts off to get me all dressed and situated, and and the ambulance is waiting on me, and I just, I ralph all over myself, and it's, it's, and, and, and throwing up, just a, just a quick reminder, throwing up when you're paralyzed is not a fun experience, because you have a pretty high chance of choking on that stuff or inhaling it, and, and it's not fun, I'll just put it that way, so it was one of them deals that, that, uh, kind of ruined my, my moment there <laughs> so they get me all dressed back up they got me all set up to uh to get in the ambulance and they, they come back in there they get me cleaned up put me in a different pair of clothes and they're uh wheeling me down the hall everybody's saying goodbye it was like that uh that farewell again and uh great bunch of people they saw me off i went down the hall they got me back into an ambulance and uh we get into that ambulance and we take back off to the uh, facility that I was at for some for some rehab. And um, we get over there and uh, I had some big changes when I get over there. They get me in there and some things are different. They got me into a different room. Some guy stole my room with my park view and everything. And uh, we got some new things going on. So we're going to start trying some new stuff. And uh, we'll get into that in the next episode because we're all out of time again. So you guys, again, have a great weekend. God bless. I appreciate you guys listening to me. It means a lot. Thank you.